Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Uh, years ago, I was breaking horses with uh, with uh, one of my mentors, Ralph, and I, I had a colt that was kind of getting barn sour, and where I was riding was... Uh, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big pasture that, that I would ride in, but every time I would come around towards a house, you know, he would pay attention to thinking that we were done. And, you know, I kind of started making circles. So Ralph told me one day, he's like, why don't you go out to the road and just long trot him a couple of miles down the road, turn around, come back and, you know, he'll see the house and then you pass the house by and, you know, just keep doing that till he quits paying attention to the house. So I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, I can do that. So anyway, um, I, I knew that there was a, a wire gate that was down there by the cattle guard. So, you know, I kind of warmed this colt up and he was going along good. He rode fine, just kind of started getting a little barn sour. So anyway, I rode to this gate and I, and I got off and, you know, it, it was the, the little tie wire that goes around that holds the gate up. Man, it was just like held up by just like a, a sliver, and so as soon as I hit that wire, it popped off and, and sounded like a gunshot and spooked my horse. And anyway, I opened it up and had to get all the tumbleweeds out because nobody had been through it in a long time. So anyway, I, I got the colt through it and everything. And I went to put it back and you know, I, I could get it about this close and it needed to be about this close. And I was like, oh, you know, as Ty said this morning, you know, that one wire was holding up, you know, four miles of fence. And so anyway, I, I try, if you've never tried to shut a wire gate before, uh, please come out. We, we will show you how it's done. Uh, we've got some Ben Stiegelmeyer gates that after he put some gates in, me and Ty both couldn't close them together. <laughs> and, and here I was by myself. So, you know, you, you, you try the shoulder method. You, you put the, the, the gate right here on your shoulder and you wrap your arms around and, and you pull it and you try to get the deal, you know, over it. And, and if you usually succeed, you can always tell a cowboy cause he's got torn shirts right here. You know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about cause you'll catch your shirt and it'll rip, but yeah. And your skin. And, uh, so anyway, I, I tried the shoulder method and I mean, they're, they're just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to work. So anyway, I decided to, you know, do something that makes every rancher cringe, but every rancher's done it, where you just, you, you undo the tie wire and make it longer and just hope a calf doesn't get through. But this was stapled and, and it wasn't just regular baling wire that was holding up these four miles of fence. It's what I like to call Gary Lauer wire. <laughs> yeah, Meg knows what this is. It, it's just a, a little bit smaller diameter than a T-post. It's like a five sixteenths welding rod without the flux on it. You know, you, you, I mean, you couldn't bend it or, or anything. And so I knew another trick and, and you, you can put a tie string around it and stick a stick in your tie string and just go to twirling it where it, where it brings it up. But I didn't have any tie strings on it. So, so then I, 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 I resorted to the last method and that's kick and cuss it. And it usually doesn't work. It usually makes things worse because your, your, uh, cult 
starts getting, thinking that it's in trouble and pulls away from you. And uh, so anyway, I, I was out of options, but I had to get it closed somehow. And so I sat there and, and, and I looked at it and I looked at it and I looked at it. And then I thought, huh, why am I working so hard? So I took my rope off my saddle and I put the rope around both sides where it came. And then the loop, you know, was right here. And then it kind of came back towards the horse. And I just, you know, I tie on. So I just backed my colt up and I pulled up four miles of fence. And, you know, it wasn't nothing to that colt. He backed up. It took a little while, but... He finally got the hang of it because about the time I'd get it done, I'd try to run back and do it. And he would step forward thinking he was supposed to follow me. So it took a little while, but, but I was able to get it back on. You know, I used a strength that had been available to me the whole time. I wasted a lot of energy, mental, physical, when I could have been done in 30 seconds. We all have a strength that is available to us, but we seldom use it. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. And that's what I've titled this sermon is called Unlimited because, you know, that there's very little in our lives that is unlimited. But God, in his infinite wisdom, his infinite glory, his majesticness, his, his righteousness, you know, God doing something for us, giving something to us, doesn't deplete anything from God. Okay? I mean, the, I love the, the, the movie, The Shack. And, and if you've never seen it, you know, it, it's not, I'm not saying that it's, the, you know, the gospel or anything. It's just a, a book that a guy wrote for his grandkids to try to understand God a little better. And, and this, the main character sitting there talking to God and, and the character says, are you even doing anything? And in the movie, God is portrayed as, as a woman named Papa. And, um, she looks at him and goes, Oh, you have no idea what I'm doing right now. And, and, and that's my favorite line out of the whole movie because God is constantly doing stuff, but all the stuff he does takes nothing away from him. God giving you the strength to do something takes nothing away from him. It is literally unlimited. And that's what Paul is talking about right here. He said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the spirit that he will empower you. Meaning it's not your power. It's his power that he's given you. Not unlike that horse. I mean, that horse has (laughs) compared to my strength. That horse has nearly unlimited strength in in comparison and, and compared to the, to God, that horse has nothing, but God wants to empower us with an inner strength through his spirit. So before we get into what this inner strength is, we have to understand a few things. That inner spiritual strength is a fundamental work of God from his spirit to our spirit. Okay? It's nothing that originates in us. It's something that we do not have that God gives us. The, The inner strength that Paul is talking about right here is not self-discipline, okay? 
It, now, now, there is a strength that comes from self-discipline, but, but that's a strength that we have, that we develop. We're not talking about self-discipline. It's not positive thinking, okay? And, and, and I'm all about, you know, positive thinking. And, you know, uh, the Bible says to sets our mind, set our minds on things that are true and honorable and worthy. I, I'm all for that. But the inner spiritual strength that we're talking about here isn't self-discipline. And, and it's not positive thinking. It's not self-talk or mental renewing. It's not getting a grip on yourself. And it's not turning over a new leaf. You know, it, it's not a new year's resolution. Okay. This inner spiritual strength is something that cannot come from you. It can only come from God. This inner spiritual strength is the power of God that many of us already have. But yet what we do is, is we, we stand at the wire gate of life and, and we're trying to force things. We're trying to come up with, with clever ideas of how we can get something shut or get something open or, or accomplish some task. And, and we just work ourselves into a frazzle. But, but God says, man, why are you working so hard when from my unlimited resources, I will empower you with inner strength through my spirit. No wonder that Christianity, you know, I mean, think about everything that is available to Christians and, and yet we're depressed and we're sad and we struggle and, and, and all for the wrong reasons, all for the wrong reasons. So let's talk about some of this power of God that you already have. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the power to overcome temptation. And it's not a power that you have in and of, a, of yourself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul once again says the temptations in your life are no different than from what others experience. You know, we always think that, that we're alone in this struggle. Man, I don't, I can't tell you every single week, somebody comes up to me and says, man, it's like you were talking to me. The reason it seems like that is because we're all going through the same thing in, in a different way, a different form, a different fashion. Maybe you went through it one time in the past. Maybe you're going through it now. Maybe you're going to be going through it in the future, but we all go through the same things. And that's what Paul's saying. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. You're not alone. And God is faithful. Even when we're not, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Okay? You, you, you can't control that. Okay? You can't necessarily control what you're tempted with, but God knows your strengths. God knows your weaknesses. And if you are being tempted, that doesn't mean God's causing it, but God, it says right here that God is not going to allow you to be tempted by anything that he will not give you a way out of. And that's what it says. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure, so that you can endure. Man, when you're tempted like that, how do you, how do you use this power? Man, call, call a friend. Call a friend and say, hey, man, I'm struggling. Man, I guarantee you, if you've got one of these parts, if you've got one of these buddies, man, they're not going to do anything except, except, you know, try to encourage you. You know, sometimes they may tell you to quit acting like a sissy. I, you know, and there, there, there's a hundred different things that they could say. But if you're feeling tempted, one of the ways God is he brings us Christian brothers and sisters, pards, 
to help us in this because we are not alone. Let God work through somebody. If you're having trouble overcoming a temptation, man, call a friend and say, hey man, I'm struggling. Another way that you can use this power is just to run away. Run away. I mean, you, you think about the, the, the story of, uh, oh my gosh, I just drew a blank. Joseph, thank you. Thank you. That's pretty good. That was pretty good. He, he, he's been here a while. <laughs> uh, you know, huh? That's your part. That's right. So Joseph, I, I kept wanting to say Joshua and I knew that wasn't right. So Joseph, you know, he, he's in, he's in Potiphar's house and, and Potiphar, you know, he's like the head servant. He's a slave, but he runs the house really good. Well, Potiphar's wife takes a shine to him and, and ends up, uh, taking all of her clothes off and, and wanting him to do stuff with her, but he knows he'll be put to death and she ends up grabbing his cloak or whatever. And, and he tears himself away, which basically she disrobes him and he runs out of the house naked. Now, a lot of us would be like, well, that's kind of extreme, but that's how far Joseph would go. Sometimes we just have to run away. Sometimes we just got to get out of there. I mean, how many times in our lives with that temptation, you know, we're, we're usually alone or something like that. Get out of there, get around somebody else. In other words, avoid the triggers, avoid the triggers. See, we have a power from God that, that God is not going to allow us any temptation that we cannot overcome. He will give us a way out. We just have to utilize that power. Man, he, anytime there's temptation, there's an open door for us to leave there so that we can endure. But too often, man, we just succumb to it. We just think it's hopeless that I, I can't quit doing this. I, I can't stop thinking like this, whatever the case may be. But God always gives us a way out. The second thing, the second power of God that you already have at your disposal is to live joyfully, live joyfully. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, the apostle Paul says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. You want to know how to live joyfully? Have hope, have hope. And that doesn't mean that everything is going to go easy or everything is going to go smooth because most of the time it's not. But we can remain joyful because we know that as believers in the end, everything will be okay. No matter what the Bible says, man, don't worry about somebody that can kill your body. Worry about the one that has power over your soul. And God has made promise after promise, after promise, after promise, after promise that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ will be, are already victorious, not because of something we did, but because of something he did. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. If you want to learn to live joyfully, you have to have hope. Have hope. Don't succumb to that despair. When Jesus says it is finished, that means that he gave us everything that we need by his accomplishment on the cross. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And that's how the Holy Spirit comes and gives us that inner strength. Strength that you have. You've got it, man. You've got it standing right there and you can't get the gate closed. Because you're, you're depending upon yourself instead of using what is already given to you. You have to be patient during times of trouble. And, and I know some of you, a lot of you is going through a hard time right now. Be patient and have hope. 
be patient and have hope. And that leads to the third thing of living joyfully. To use that power, you got to keep on keeping on. Keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Don't give up. So you have the power to overcome temptation. You have the power standing right beside you. Better yet, living inside of you to overcome temptation, to live joyfully. You even have the power. It's not yours in of yourself. It comes from God's unlimited resources to move mountains, to move mountains. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, I didn't say it. Jesus did. He said, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Man, and we're not talking about getting a gate closed. We're talking about mountains moving. But see, the key here is not about testing that out and saying, well, I'm going to tell Pike's Peak to move from over there to over here so that my land value will go up. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a unique and unlimited power. In other words, something only God can do. Something only God can do. You know, we should pray such big prayers that only God could answer them. You know, because a lot of times we, we, we pray these little small prayers, you know, well, God, you know, I, I, I wish that I could get a better job. And you can go find a better job anywhere. It may take some time, but you can go find a better job. That doesn't mean that God is blessing you. And I'm not saying that it's not, but, but man, that, that's inconsequential to God. He wants you to pay, pray such big prayers that only he, whenever they're answered, you know definitively that it was God that did it. We have the power to overcome temptation. We have the power to live joyfully. God gives us the power to move mountains. God has even given us the power to defeat death. In John 3.16, not Ephesians 3.16, John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. To defeat death itself. It's why Jesus had to die on the cross and why he rose three days later so that we could do the same. So that we could do the same. You know, it's, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Everybody will die. Okay. But isn't it funny how we are commanded while we are here to die to ourselves? It is of my opinion. And I don't think anybody could ever talk me out of it. And if you'd like to have a longer conversation about it, we can. But have you ever heard the or seen a devout Christian pass away and they said that it was very peaceful and, and, and nearly even joyful. It's because that person has already died to self. And when their earthly body dies, I do not believe that their soul is there because they've already died. The wages of sin is death. We will not, as believers, we will not experience the horror of our physical death, whether it's a car wreck whether it's cancer, we may suffer for it. But when the time comes, if you have already died to self, you will not be there for the death of your body. Man, I I want that. That's why the Bible says that we have no fear of death. We're not going to be there when it happens if we've already died to self. And everything that we've talked about so far leads up to that, of overcoming temptation, of living joyfully, of moving mountains. Man, why, why won't you just latch on to this? Why, why do you continue to try to get that gate closed or, or whatever the, 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 the problem is in your life? Why do you keep relying on yourself and then asking God, why won't you do anything when the power is already given to you? You're just not using it the right way. You're thinking that you can do it. You can't. 
overcome temptation, live joyfully, move mountains, defeat death, and get your prayers answered, and get your prayers answered. In James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, you want what others, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. That, I, I'm sorry, but that is like nearly the American dream right there, is to have what your, what your neighbor has, keeping up with the Joneses, to have the next big dooley, you know, lariat, king ranch edition, and big living quartered horse trailers. And I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong in having any of those things, but a lot of times it, it's from selfishness or it's from pride. And then he goes on to say, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. We got to change the way we pray. Those big prayers that we want want answered, man, are are they for our pleasure or for God's glory? See, here's the deal, man. I'm telling you right now that, that God never says no to a prayer that is going to bring you closer to him, but he will always say no to a prayer that will take you away from it, take you away from him. Man, if you want all of your prayers answered, number one, you've got to ask for it. Number two, it's got to be for the right motive. And number three, it's got to be something that's going to bring you closer to God. Man, he sits there and promises it right there. He says, man, you can move mountains if you ask for the right things in the right way. I'll give it to you. Jesus even says, man, you who are good fathers, man, if, you're, if, you're, if your son asked for a fish, would you give a stone? No. Would you give him a snake? No. God's going to say yes to every prayer that's going to bring you closer to him. And he's going to say no to every prayer that's going to take you away. So actually, when God says no, that's for your benefit. That's the best. That's nearly as good an answer as yes. Because you know it's not the right direction. We have the power to overcome temptation, live joyfully, move mountains, defeat death, have our prayers answered, all of them, when they're asked with the right motive and for something that will bring us closer to God. And we have the power to be victorious in every situation, to be victorious in every situation. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, he... he, He's, he's already, he, he ran the race for you. He defeated death for you. You can't do it on your own. You can't be good enough. Only Jesus was good enough. And, and we just slide right in there behind him on this rough and narrow and steep trail that many search for, but few find. Instead of going down that wide interstate road to temptation, we go straight down and we just follow him. We don't worry about where he's going. Only he knows the way. We have the power to be victorious In every situation, see, Christ is bigger than any sin. He is bigger than any fault that you have. And his power is much greater than your weakness. As a matter of fact, his power is made perfect in your weakness. Victory is guaranteed for those who believe in Christ Jesus. When we were first moving to Colorado, we didn't even know what Save the Cowboy was. I just followed a call to come up here, literally a phone call. And, and I won't get into that long story again, but I'm sure when y'all stick around, you'll, you'll hear it again eventually. But um, we, my wife started looking at property, and I mean, 
there's no way we could come up here and start a ministry and afford anything around here. And so we started praying about it. And finally, the guy that had called me and wanted me to start a church said, are you even thinking about coming up here? And I said, I I would follow God wherever, but you know, I, I can't afford anything. I might lose both jobs and starting a ministry and you know, all this. I mean, I got to feed my family and, and I can't afford anything up there. And he said, well, that's why I called. I had a buddy that wants to rent his house out to a nice family. Do you want to come look at it? So I said, yes. So we drove up here from Kinosa, Texas. And we looked, we went out down Comanche Creek Road and turned right onto 150. And we went down there and then we went up on a hill right there overlooking the Bijou. And, and I walked through this archway with a big wooden beam on it. And there's a bricked courtyard. And I mean, it was Spanish style, beautiful. And I asked the guys like, well, how, how much do you want for this? Cause I thought he's going to want, you know, $2,000 a month for this. And he goes, he goes, well, I need about $800 a month. Is that going to be okay? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I think that'll be okay. I mean, I can start Colts for 800 a month. Right. So whenever this happened, I turned around to ask my wife what she thought of the place. Cause we were walking around looking at the view. The view was just amazing. Big pine trees and courtyard. And man, it was just so awesome. Fireplace. I turned around to ask her what she thought of it. And she was shaking her head no and crying. She said, that girl don't cry. If you come back next week, I'll tell you why she was crying. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, you are the creator of all things and the only one deserving of all glory and honor. Your magnificence shines into dark hearts to break the chains of sin and bondage. God, I ask that you, that we receive the strength that you promised for us and others that call on you as Lord and Savior. Father, I ask you to grow every person listening and make them strong. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.